Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing? Good, Dan. How about you? <laughs> no complaints. No complaints. Uh, That's good. We don't want to hear them anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. That's a fact. <laughs> we don't want to hear the complaints. We don't, we don't want to hear Absolutely them. don't want to hear absolutely complaints. Absolutely not. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Schwartzman. And now, sitting in for Rich... Hit the drop. It's Dan Schwartzman. That is correct. I am back. It is great to be back in the captain's seat right here in for Rich Eisen on a Thursday. So much to get into and the irony that on Tuesday, sitting down here chatting with the athletics, Joe Person, who, of course, covers the Panthers, talking about the possibility of Baker Mayfield joining the Panthers from the Cleveland Browns and Voila, a day later, maybe we're the ones that put it over the edge. I'm kidding. Baker Mayfield, uh, pending a physical, is going to be a member of the Carolina Panthers. Our buddy Art Martinez on the other side of the glass. We have a loaded show for you today. And let's get right going with the big trade. Now, I have to be honest with you. I, I like this deal for the Carolina Panthers. They didn't give up much. They don't have to pay Baker Mayfield much. In fact, you see that the Cleveland Browns were just desperate to get rid of him. And to use an example of not getting value for what you have, think about the fact that the Carolina Panthers have Sam Darnold on the roster, right? The New York Jets cut ties with Sam Darnold after three years. And for him, they got themselves a second round pick and I believe a fourth round pick. And the second-round pick ended up being a high second-round pick because Carolina stunk last year. I believe it was the 38th pick in the draft. The Jets, of course, then traded up two spots, took Brees Hall, the running back from Iowa State. So you can say the Jets fleeced the Carolina Panthers to get Sam Darnold out of New York because he stunk, and you saw it last year. He was terrible there, too. He's just not a good quarterback. Can't read a defense, makes poor decisions, uh, nice guy, but just isn't an adequate NFL starting quarterback, and you're seeing that, and hence the Carolina Panthers realizing they needed an upgrade. Now, the Cleveland Browns desperately had to get rid of Fields. They weren't going to pay him $18, 19000000 million, which is what he was on the books to make. Wasn't going to happen. Not when you have Deshaun Watson on a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract, although he may not play this year and probably shouldn't play this year, and by the way, wasn't scheduled to make a lot of money this year. It's a backloaded contract because I think Cleveland and Deshaun Watson realized that the likelihood of him actually suiting up this year were slim to none. 
Uh, we're not going to get into, obviously, his legal troubles. Let's let that play out before we decide what to do about that. But Cleveland was desperate, right? Mini camps are starting shortly. You can't have Baker Mayfield, who is a fiery type of personality, a guy that can really ruin a locker room if he's not in a good mood. You can't have that guy showing up, knowing full well he's not going to be a part of the team uh, either this season or, or next season, whatever it may have been. So the Carolina Panthers waited out the Cleveland Browns, and finally Cleveland had to blink, and they accepted a fifth-round pick that can turn into a fourth-round pick in 2024, by the way, not even next year, 2024, depending on playing time, and Cleveland's picking up $10.5 million of Baker Mayfield's salary of $18.8 million next season. The Panthers are only paying $4.85 million and the rest of the money, which is somewhere in the $3 million and change range, has now been uh, converted into incentives, okay? He can make that money back, which he was so desperate to get out of Cleveland, he decided to give that money up. He can make it back based on team performance with incentives. Good for Baker. You want to get out of there, you're still going to make yourself $15.35 million. I think you can feed the family on that. In fact... If you want to live a you know a pretty good lifestyle, you can actually retire on that money and never work again. Just don't go buy expensive ha- you know houses and cars. So I think the Carolina Panthers did well here. I think the Cleveland Browns did poorly here. You know, you draft a guy number one overall, right? In what, 2018, you draft a guy number one overall. Four years later, you ship him off for a fifth-round pick that at best is a fourth-round pick? Really? And Dan, not yes. only that, you ship him off, you're paying half his salary. Two-thirds of his salary. Two-thirds of his salary to play yeah. to play against you. I, I always have a problem with, you know, teams paying half of their salary, two-thirds of their salary, and then he comes back and plays against them. It's desperation, my friend. Cleveland was desperate. And Baker Mayfield was desperate to get out of Cleveland. Cleveland is the black hole, the graveyard of quarterbacks. I saw a a statistic that was utterly insane. It's something like Cleveland has gone through 32 starting quarterbacks in the last 20-something years, okay? I mean, it's insanity. And Baker Mayfield's four-year run as a starting quarterback at Cleveland is like the longest run they've had since they got back from uh, expansion. And was that 1999, I think it was, drafting Tim Couch number one. And he would have stayed. He would have stayed if you wouldn't have brought in Deshaun Watson. Well, now, look, you know, Deshaun Watson's got a lot of problems and, frankly, maybe should never play in the NFL again. We'll see. 26 allegations are 26 allegations. Now, I I don't know if you can blow them all off saying they're all lying. I highly doubt you can do that when it's 26. One or two, maybe. 26, hard to do. Okay? A lot of red flags with Deshaun Watson. Now, if Deshaun Watson was squeaky clean, this is a no-brainer. Deshaun Watson is a better player than Baker Mayfield. No question about it. He's a better player. But when you're sitting there biting your fingernails to nubs, if you're Cleveland, hoping that Deshaun Watson isn't suspended for life from the NFL, that's not a good position to be in, okay? Because you can't take the trade back. Maybe you can void his contract, but you can't ask the Houston Texans for three first-round picks in return, right? Hey, guys, uh, Deshaun's going to be out a long time. Um can we avoid that trade? Can we get those picks back? I know you use one of them, but uh, do you mind if we swap? Not going to happen. 
again, it shows you why they're a terrible franchise, right? You know, it shows you why that the Cleveland Browns have really won nothing. Unbelievable. How many playoff appearances have they had since they came back into this league in 1999? Two? I think that's the number. Two? Maybe three? I doubt it's three. I think it's two. Maybe it's one. It's pathetic. Utterly pathetic. But that's what happens when you look at an organization that can't get out of its own way. And this is another example of that. You're giving away Baker Mayfield at 27 years old, who just a year ago looked like he could have been something special. 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, not a bad season, right? Cut down on those picks from 14 in his first year to 21 his second year, down to 8. Not that I think Baker Mayfield is going to be an upper echelon great quarterback, but can Baker Mayfield win you some games? I think he can, more than Sam Darnold. And that brings up the second part of this argument, okay? And I've heard people talking about this. Like, it's amazing. Like, it's really amazing that people really think that Sam Darnold should start over Baker Mayfield. In no universe, in no dimension... Should Sam Darnold start over Baker Mayfield? And here's why. Baker's better. Simple enough, right? Baker's a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. That's as easy as it gets. Sam Darnold is not a good quarterback. I was a Sam Darnold fan. I believed in him. Look, I'm a New York Jet fan, so obviously I, I, I hope and pray, right? I hope and pray that whoever they draft turns out to be a stud. When they got uh, Sam Darnold, remember that whole thing leading up to it? It was suck for Sam. Remember that? He was going to be that first overall yeah. pick, right? And everybody's like, oh, suck for Sam. And then I remember when the Jets pulled off that deal with the Indianapolis Colts, I think it was on Valentine's Day, and shipped off like you know, three seconds and two firsts to move up uh, from six to third in the draft to put themselves in position to draft a quarterback. And next thing you know, Baker goes first overall. The Giants are on the clock, and they do the unthinkable, and they take a running back second overall in Saquon Barkley because you never take a running back second overall. Thank you, David Gettleman. And there is Sam Darnold sitting on the board, and I'm thinking to myself, holy moly, I'm a Jet fan, and we're about to get the franchise quarterback. We sucked. Not good enough to suck for Sam, but apparently it worked. Well, guess what? That honeymoon ended quick. And Sam Darnold, after really three mediocre seasons in New York where a lot of the blame was the supporting cast. And yeah, by the way, the Jets supporting cast was terrible. And Mike McCagden, the general manager, really gave him nothing to work with. I, I, I cannot fault Sam Darnold completely, but there is fault there, okay? Just because your receiver is not open doesn't mean you have to throw the football there, okay? If he's not open, don't throw the football there. Throw it out of bounds. Darnold never understood that. So he goes to Carolina, the Jets and Joe Douglas, the new GM, fleeces the Panthers, gets a second and a fourth for Sam Darnold. He starts the season off pretty well last year, by the way, right? A couple of 300-yard games, a couple of touchdowns, you know, played clean football, uh, beat the Jets. Everybody thought, oh my goodness, the worst nightmare. The the, the nightmare scenario for a Jet fan, Sam Darnold is going to be awesome here in year four. And uh, we're going to be sitting here again looking for our franchise quarterback, hoping Zach Wilson's the guy. Well, Sam Darnold then woke up one day and said, oh my goodness, I'm playing too well. Let me look in the mirror. Oh, that's right. I'm a turnover machine. My name is Sam Darnold. I was a turnover machine at USC, and I was a turnover machine in New York for three years. Let's get back to that. I'm reverting back to that. And sure enough, Sam Darnold with 13 interceptions and four fumbles in 12 games, that's the lovable Sam Darnold, right? He's not good. No more excuses. He's a back 
backup quarterback in the NFL. And by the way, he will be a handsomely paid backup quarterback for the rest of his life. He's 25 years old, four years under his belt. Sam Darnold can be a backup quarterback in the NFL for another 15 years and make $150 million more dollars. Can, can I have that gig? Exactly. Clipboard in hand, although today it's those uh, Microsoft uh, tablets, uh, tablets, tablets, right? And a hat backwards. Making 10 mil a season to stand on a sideline in a clean jersey hoping the starter doesn't get hurt because you don't want to go in. And sending in signals. Exactly. That's the life. Charlie Whitehurst did that in San Diego all those years, and I thought, man, what a great tan. Guy never plays, makes good money, and gets to surf every day and talk to lovely young ladies on the beach. Gets all the girls, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what a great life. The backup quarterback in the NFL is a great life, unless you have to play. So Darnold's got a bright future ahead of him of doing nothing, okay? So I'm not going to sit here and cry for Sam Darnold, who, by the way, has already earned like $30 million, okay? He will earn close to $200 million in his career for being a mediocre quarterback. Good for him. Not going to disparage him. But the bottom line is Baker Mayfield is a better player than Sam Darnold. What else does Darnold have to show you that he hasn't shown you in the first four years and 50 games that tells you, nah, mm that's not really Sam Darnold. The Sam Darnold I know is going to be a star quarterback in this league. Who's thinking that? And I think a lot of these quote-unquote analysts and experts who are saying, no, Darnold should start over Baker. No, come on. I think they're just doing that for shock. To play devil's advocate, okay? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The Raiders took a chance on this one guy called Rich Gannon. I remember. Yeah. Okay. And he he had fizzled out. out Yeah. And he led him to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It was a hell of a court. Did he win an MVP? Yes, he did. Absolutely. Yeah. He was great. So, uh, what do you think? No? For Baker or for Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. No. No, 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 no. Maybe if he comes to the Raiders, maybe. Trust me, you don't want him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you don't want he him. He ain't no Rich Gannon. <laughs> Listen, take my advice. I suffered three years of Sam Darnold. You don't want him. Carolina suffered a year of Sam Darnold. They don't want him. The only reason why Sam Darnold is not going to be traded or released is because they picked up that fifth-year option on Sam Darnold, and they owe him a fortune. Carolina's got to pay Sam Darnold like $18 bucks this year because they picked up that option well, you kind of have to if you're going to trade a second and a fourth round pick for a guy. You got to pick up the fifth year option, right? Because what are you telling the fan base? We sent a premium draft pick and a decent draft pick for a guy that we don't believe in to pick up his fifth year option. Doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. And they're stuck with Sam Darnold for a year, so they'll play that game where he's in the running to be a starting quarterback. They drafted Matt Corral from Ole Miss in the third round, who I like, by the way. But Baker Mayfield's got to be the guy, all right? First of all, if you're Baker Mayfield and you show up there and you're not the starter, I mean. Maybe, you you know, his star has fallen that much, which I doubt. I'm going to say it right now, Art Martinez, mark my words, okay? Baker Mayfield's a starting quarterback week one of Carolina Panthers. Oh, it has to be. has to be. Because they're playing Cleveland. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah. Look That's at the hilarious, schedule. isn't it? That's hilarious. But no, I just think he's a, you go with the better player. You don't go with the guy just because you're, you're right. <laughs> September 11th, Cleveland. Thankfully, it's at Carolina, okay? That's the good news for them. It's at Carolina. Imagine if it was in Cleveland and Baker Mayfield's on the field. <laughs> By the way, who's quarterbacking the uh, Cleveland Browns week one? Well, that's that's another good question. I've... They got uh, Brisket, Brisket, whatever his name is. Brisket, Brisket, Brisket. Oh, I'm hungry now, Mel. Exactly. Brisket. 
They got, uh, yeah, I guess Jacoby Brissett would be quarterback one. There's no way in heck Deshaun Watson's playing week one. Or if you go uh, go after Garoppolo, he's still available. Yeah, you know what? I I have to be honest with you. Like, what does this mean for Garoppolo? That's a whole other topic. Like, what happens with Garoppolo? Like, he's got to be the next guy on the move, right? Like, who wants him, though? Like, Seattle, they're not, you know, San Fran's not shipping Garoppolo within the division to Seattle. I can't see that happening. No, no. And they need a quarterback. But if you're Cleveland, do you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo knowing that he's only a one-year rental? Well, after Maybe. you find out about Deshaun Watson, I mean, when is that ruling come, supposed to come down? Yeah, but, I mean, no one expects it to be more than a year, right? Like, and no one thinks it would be like a lifetime ban or something. So if it's a year, okay, you have Jimmy G there for one year, then what? I don't know, man. Interesting scenario. What's next now? One quarterback on the move to Carolina being Baker Mayfield. Jimmy Garoppolo is that next shoe. When does that fall and where does he go? We'll get to that a bit later on. But Yankees winning yet again, nearing 60 wins on the season. Are they really this good? Is there a shoe that has to drop there? What other concerns and how much money is Aaron Judge making himself? He hit his 30th home run yesterday as the Yankees rolled in Pittsburgh. First, though, when Callaway engineered Chrome Soft to be the best tour ball, it didn't just make the best players better. It made everyone better. Men, women, first-time major winners, repeat major winners, club champions, business golfers, the Chrome Soft family has the best tour performance for every type of performance. Starting with the regular Chrome Soft, which is designed for the widest range of golfers who want better feel, more distance, and incredible forgiveness. But for better players looking for more workability, Chrome Soft X provides excellent spin consistency and tour-level short game control finally chrome soft xls gives you a lower spin golf ball on longer shots firmer feel but still with high spin around the greens and now every chrome soft is enhanced with precision technology which uses design design techniques and manufacturing specifications up to one one thousandth of an inch this ensures they're the highest quality most consistent fastest golf ball possible when you add it all up it's pretty simple chrome soft is better for the best and better for everyone find out which chrome soft is right for you at callawaygolf.com slash chrome soft we're gonna head to new york meredith Morakovitz. well she's actually in boston as the yankees open up a four-game series yes network clubhouse reporter she will join us next dan schwartzman in for rich eisen on a thursday right here on the rich eisen show let's talk o'reilly auto parts people they're in the business of keeping your car on the road and i should know they kept my car on the road and they do it with a smile on their face they offer friendly service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs and that comes in so welcome when your car needs to be put back together and they do it with a smile so you know you're being taken care of. They got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And guess what? You should not miss Power Torque Tools DIY days at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come in with a lifetime guarantee, and right now you can save big on Power Torque hand tools, power tools, jacks, and more. Get great deals on a wide range of power torque jacks and jack stands, including two-ton jack stands and up to three-and-a-half-ton floor jacks. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right power torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at OReillyAuto.com slash eisen. That's OReillyAuto.com slash eisen. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen, the Rich Eisen Show on a Thursday. A lot to get into. Major League Baseball season rolling along. We're 80-plus games in for every team. New York Yankees, 59 wins, the most in baseball by a whopping six games, by the way. The Astros are next. Just two other teams have 50-plus wins, the Dodgers with 52 and the Mets with 51. The Yankees, in fact, a 14-game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays and the Boston Red Sox. They open a four-game set in Boston Kicking off tonight, we head to Boston. Yes, Network Yankees clubhouse reporter Meredith Marakovich joining us. And Meredith, they have 59 wins, 23 losses. They are absolutely rolling. And as good as that roster really is, and it wasn't good enough last year to go deep into the postseason, are you surprised that they are this good right now, six games better than anybody else in baseball? I mean, that, that's pretty good, right, Dan? No, just kidding. Um, yeah, no, they've been absolutely rolling. They're obviously off to a great start. I think one thing that they didn't necessarily anticipate coming into the season was the strength that their rotation is. I think they were hopeful. I think they thought guys would produce, but the way they have produced, the level at which they have produced consistently, uh, has been something that has been pretty fun to watch, to be honest with you. And you look at the bats in that lineup, one through nine, you think the offense is ultimately going to be there but one thing that we saw last year that they really struggled with was hitting with runners in scoring position situational hitting and they relied extremely heavily on the long ball now when you look at the numbers the Yankees have hit a ton of home runs I mean Aaron Judge has 30 home runs and we're not even at the all-star break yet but they've also found ways to score and manufacture runs and that's something they didn't do last season or even the season before last night in particular we saw a hit and run we saw a double steal they're running the bases better they're doing the little things in the margins better than they did a season ago and i believe that is the difference you know meredith though you mentioned the rotation and as good as it's been you know jameson tyone the last few starts has kind of come back down to earth he's i think his era has risen by about a run and a half in the last five or six starts you know, Nestor Cortez righted the ship, but he had about three starts in a row where he was, I would say, average. Any concern in terms of that? I mean, they haven't been injured really, right? The rotation's been very healthy. Severino's come back very well from his injury. Garrett Cole had a rough start, but he seems to have righted the ship. Jordan Montgomery is consistently, you know, a pretty good pitcher. But, you know, with Tyone and with Cortez, kind of an unknown, right? Are you a little nervous with those two going forward? I think there are ebbs and flows throughout the course of the season, and pitchers are not always going to have their best stuff. Talking to David Cohn, one of our announcers, who obviously did better than anyone else at, at times, he'll tell you, you go out there and probably half your starts, you don't have anything. And it's those starts trying to figure it out and give your team a chance to win, put your team in a position to win, those are the ones where you really find out where you're made, what you're made of. And, you know, you mentioned Nestor Cortez the last three uh, prior to his last start. You know, it was a little bit of a struggle, and he even admitted that he was wondering, hey, what's going on here? You know, what, what has the league figured something out? Am I, am I not going to be able to sustain this success? And the success he had in the early part of the season, I mean, he was pitching to an ERA well under two. Um, you didn't know that he was going to be able to keep that up, but you did believe that he was going to find a way to keep the Yankees in the game. And with that offense, they don't need a lot. They just need to keep it close, and you get the feeling that the offense will find a way to poke through at the end of the game. But uh, Cortez said 
with everything that was going on, the attention he was getting, uh, the idea of the all-star game, maybe he was going out there trying to be a little bit too fine, a little bit too perfect, instead of just going out there and attacking. And that's what he did his last time out. He uh, righted the ship, as you mentioned, and found success. As far as Jamison Tyone is concerned, uh, he had mentioned to me after the game in the clubhouse, I guess, what, two nights ago, look, I've got to go back to the drawing board and figure some stuff out. He's getting hurt, it seems like, with runners on. Uh, it's one pitch, you know, give up a two-run home run. The game before that, he gave up a pair of three-run home runs getting hurt with runners on the bases, and he admitted, yeah, they'll say, a solo home run is not going to hurt you. It's limiting the damage when there are runners on base, and that's something that he has not done a good job of lately. He went on to say he doesn't feel as though there's any major mechanical issues that are going on right now. He just needs to find a little bit of a better way to execute in those situations. I don't think the Yankees are overly concerned with either of those guys by any stretch of the imagination. At the same time, would they like to see them get back on track? You better believe it. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place, and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Back on the Rich Eisen Show, Dan, in for Rich. That's right. Here today and tomorrow, little technical issues, all sorted out. Maybe everybody's so enamored by what the Yankees are doing. 59 wins on pace for like a record 118 or so wins on the season. They continue to roll, knocking off the Pirates yesterday, 16 to nothing, opening up a four-game set at Fenway Park against a Red Sox team that is 14 games behind them. Let's get back with our buddy, Yes Network Yankees clubhouse reporter, Meredith Morakovitz. And Meredith, I mean, the shock of how good this team is obviously kicked us all off the air. But that said, Meredith, Aaron Judge continues to roll 30 home runs now for him, 64 RBIs. And here's a guy that bet on himself, got offered over $200 million, about $30 million a season last this past off season. He turned it down, going to be a free agent next year. What's the chatter? Are people starting to get a little nervous about the fact that maybe he's going to be so highly priced based on what he's doing that even the Yankees with all their money may not be able to compete with some of the dollars out there, for instance, Steve Cohen or the San Francisco Giants who have room in their payroll to add a guy like uh, Aaron Judge? 
I think fans are nervous, and fans want Aaron Judge here for a very long time, and why wouldn't you? You mentioned the production this season. When this guy is healthy, he is one of the best players in the league. It's hard to dispute that fact. And, Dan, you look at this year in particular, yes, you see the home runs 30 before the break. You see the production overall offensively. But also what stands out to me is the way he has played center field. You've got a six-seven guy playing center field at a very high level day in and day out. The defense has been there as well. So he's a very complete player, and that doesn't even account to what he brings to that Yankees team in the clubhouse from a leadership perspective. And I think there is always concern when a player reaches free agency. Look, we saw what happened with Freddie Freeman this year. Freddie Freeman wanted to remain a Brave. The Braves said that they wanted Freddie Freeman back, but at the end of the day, they were not able to get a deal done, and he's in – Los Angeles right now. So I I don't think it would be outside the realm of possibilities for Aaron Judge to wind up somewhere else. I think he's more valuable in a Yankees uniform, and I think he wants to be in New York for a very long time. But the two sides need to find a way to meet in the middle and what that number is going to be. Well, that remains to be seen. And if he continues to play like that, it is just going to keep on rising and rising and rising, (laughs) and rightfully so. And he's earned himself the right to go out there and explore the free agent market and get as much money as possible. And you cannot... Um, you, you cannot really hold it against a player for wanting to do that. And they tried to come to a deal at the beginning of spring training. Aaron thought he was worth more, and he bet on himself, as you mentioned. And so far, it's been a, bit, been a pretty darn good bet. Uh, and, Dan, I can't tell you how Steinbrenner spoke the other day and said, you know, even if there are discussions during the season, none of them will be made public. But the Yankees' point of view, they very much would like Aaron Judge to be here very, for a very long time as well. But – but, Meredith, they're not supposed to be discussions, right? Because I thought that after the season began, Judge, the whole thing was they would call off all negotiations so he can concentrate on baseball. Do we believe that there may be some talks going on, and that's maybe why Hal is saying, look, whatever's happening, we're not going to go public with it? Because the fact is we're supposed to be under the impression that there are no talks going on, right? Because Judge had shut them off after he rejected that uh, 215 or so million-dollar proposal. Look, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. If there is chatter, if the agent continues to talk to the Yankees, I would imagine there's probably some type of checking in here and there between the two sides. But I think the point that both Aaron and how Steinbrenner wanted to make is this is not going to be a distraction this season, especially with this team that they have right now, this very special team to start the season, they do not want that to be the headline. They do not want to be answering questions about that continuously. So, uh, you know, you never know what could happen throughout the course of the season. But one thing I do know, it doesn't sound like we're going to hear about anything until the end of the year, uh, if at all. Now, Mary, you know, being a Yankee is sometimes a little different than being a member of another team like the Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland uh, Guardians, whatever it might be. And what I mean by that is there's a legacy, right? You look at the Yankees, Babe Ruth, you know, Lou Gehrig played his entire career as a Yankee. Joe DiMaggio played his entire career. Mickey Mantle. And then you have the lineage of guys, right, that goes to Derek Jeter. And Aaron Judge is kind of that next guy. Does he understand his place in terms of the historical value of being the Yankees Monument Park, he continues to play the way he does for his career. He's going to have his number retired there. That 99 is going to be on the wall. He could potentially have himself that granite monument in Monument Park, which always means a bit more than, again, playing for another organization. Has he ever talked about that or indicated that that's something important to him? 
I, I think he fully understands what it would mean to be a Yankee for life. And I think that's part of the reason why he says he wants to stay and he wants to play in the largest market uh, in the country. And on top of that, you look at the Yankees, they're positioning themselves on an annual basis to try to win a World Series. And you can't say that about every organization. Whether they do or not, obviously we haven't seen it since 2009. They still try to make the necessary moves to put themselves in a position to compete. And there are a lot of teams, especially this year in particular, that are just downright not competitive in the league right now. So while I think he recognizes that, Dan, I don't think he recognizes it to the sense of, hey, I'm going to take a very, very big hometown discount. I think Aaron Judge is going to get the max value he can this free agency period because let's be honest at his age this could be the final contract for him you know it very well could be it probably will be so he needs to maximize uh maximize what he gets in this contract so i think he recognizes it whether or not that'll be enough based on the numbers kind of remains to be seen Yes, Network Yankees clubhouse reporter Meredith Morakovich joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Thursday. You're a baseball fan, obviously, so I want to throw this question out at you. Look, Aaron Judge is going to get paid by somebody in the realm of probably 35 to $40 million a year. Okay, say that's locked up this coming off season. Shohei Otani becomes a free agent a year from then, okay? He's younger. He'll be, I think, 28 years old when he actually hits free agency. He's also a guy that has not allowed an earned run in his last four starts. He is in the conversation, not just for MVP, but also Cy Young based on what he's done. Could end the season with 35 home runs and 200 strikeouts and 15 wins, which maybe is good enough to beat Aaron Judge for an MVP, maybe not. If Judge is a 35 to $40 million guy, and he just plays center field and does it well, and obviously he's an incredible threat with the bat. Meredith, as a baseball fan, first of all, what do you think Shohei Otani's value is? Because... No one seems to have an answer for that. If you were a betting person, what do you think the number is? Wow. All I know, Dan, whatever that number winds up being, Shohei is going to be very comfortable for the rest of his life. <laughs> you know, He can feed the family. So far, I think the biggest question with him, and it's almost like you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, like how long can this continue? Can he continue being that two-way player for a long period of time and you just look at it and like there's no way that that's possible and there's no way he can continue to produce at this high level doing both but so far he has done it so I I think that's the biggest issue how do you put a number on that not knowing if in two years he's strictly going to have to be one or the other and then when that happens and it will eventually happen you would think you would um, think then what does that mean then you're overpaying potentially or are you not because he's still playing at a very elite level based on what he decides to do you know whether he's a pitcher or a hitter so i i, I do not know what that number is i do know that number is going to be very very large if he remains healthy you know but think about this though mayor if he has you know he had tommy john surgery but he could of course still dh right and he hit a bunch of home runs right. At some point, if he can't throw 150 innings a year, the guy comes in and throws 101 miles an hour. Maybe he's a closer, right? right. So you limit right. his there's innings. Still, there's still value. There, there's still value, and there's still increased elevated value compared to a typical player, right? So, right. yes, I agree with you in that he's still probably going to, based on the potential and what we've seen and what he could be, um, going to get a very high figure. But I, I do not know how you put a value on that. Steve Cohen throwing $45 million at him. You see it? I could see it. I really could. 
Somebody probably will. Somebody <laughs> I'll tell you who's not. The Yankees, because they're going to be paying Aaron Judge about $36 bucks a year starting How next about? year. Unbelievable. A lot of money. Yes, Network Yankees, clubhouse reporter Meredith Morakovitz. Meredith, enjoy the next four days in Boston. Will do. And, hey, let me know when they uh, decide to sign you to a 10-year, $45 million a year deal. I'll take you out to dinner. How's that? That sounds great. <laughs> All right. Always fun catching up with Meredith Morakovitz of the Yes Network. Does a great job covering the Yankees as the clubhouse reporter. I'll tell you, man, that number. She's right. Whatever Shohei Otani's going to get, he's going to be doing well for himself. He kind of, you know what, we talk about Aaron Judge, and Art Martinez, I want to bring you in here real quick. We talk about Aaron Judge betting on himself, right, when he decided to turn down, I think it was 215 or so million dollars um, last offseason, which would have set him and his family for life, obviously, for a long time, right? He bet on himself, and it looks like he's going to win. We kind of forget that Shohei Otani also bet on himself. What I mean by that is this. When Shohei Otani left Japan, if he had waited, I believe, another year or two, Otani would have then become a free agent, which would have led to a bidding war, meaning his salary in his first year in Major League Baseball would have been much higher. Okay, He could get himself $20, $30 million a year off the bat. But when Otani came to America in 2018... His first year salary was $545,000, okay? Second year, $650,000. Last year, because 2020, because it was a shortened season, he made a little under $260,000. In 2021, when he won the MVP award, the Silver Slugger award, he made $3 million. Shohei Otani this year is making $5.5 million. So what I'm saying is if Otani had just dominated Japan for another year or two and then came over here with more service time, he could have signed himself a massive deal off the bat. Instead, he said, no, I'm ready for Major League Baseball, fully understanding that he'd be making the league minimum. I, I and still that's think, what he's I, done. I don't think, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I don't care who he is in what league until he does it in the MLB, I wouldn't pay him. Now, but here's the thing, though. When he came here, every team wanted to crack at him, right? Remember, he did that tour. Oh, sure, because he had the potential. Potential. Yes. But that's what I'm saying is he bet on himself, right? Because if he had waited and come here, there was a team that was going to give him $20 bucks a year based on that potential, right? Now, maybe he turned out to be a bust, but somebody would have, you know, obviously said he's throwing 100 miles an hour and he, he hits a baseball 450, 460 feet. There's enough potential at one of the jobs he does in baseball where $20 million a year works. He came here, and he didn't earn a million dollars until his third year in the league. Think about that. His career earnings right now in his fifth season in Major League Baseball is $12,270,000. That's insane, Art. The fact is, if he had bombed, which he obviously hasn't, but if he had bombed, he would have really made no money in Major League Baseball. Sure, he could go back to Japan and make some money, but if he had waited and then came here, he could have made a fortune, regardless of bombing or not, because it's guaranteed money in baseball. So Shohei Otani bet on himself too and has lived up to it now. The way that Aaron Judge, of course, had already a track record of success in Major League Baseball, having hit 52 home runs his rookie year. But the fact is, Aaron Judge bet on himself and it looks like it was a smart bet. 
And same for Shohei Otani. I mean, Otani's going to get himself a contract that is going to be utterly ridiculous. He'll be 29 years old when he hits free agency. He just turned 28. He will be 29 years old when he hits free agency. And uh, whatever Aaron Judge gets will be used as the minimum, I think, for what Shohei Otani's going to ask for. And why not? If you're his agent... That's exactly it. CA Sports is his agency. They're going to make a nice commission off of Shohei Otani's next contract. Unbelievable. But that's fun to watch. Because that's going to be an unbelievable bidding war, right? That's going to be fun. But here's the thing, Art. Is there You're a team? LA. You, you think there's a yeah. team that can afford both? Judge and yeah, uh, Otani? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think about listen, that. I mean, I mean, look, the Mets can, just because their owner's worth $14 billion, right? The Mets can afford it. Although they're overpaying Francisco Lindor, and you pay uh, Yankees a, you could pay a hefty uh, what is it luxury tax? Well, a huge luxury tax. They're paying Scherzer forty some odd million, right? I mean, the Yankees could. They don't want that kind of salary, but they could. I don't think the Dodgers, with all the money they now have tied up on that payroll, no, can do it. I don't think no, they would. It's too no. much. Look, Artie Moreno could, but he's not going to, right? But Artie Moreno could. The Giants could take one guy. They'll make a run at Judge. He's, you know, from near Sacramento, so they may try to sell him on coming home. But I'll tell you, that's hard to say. I mean, look, if the Mets go out there and pay Aaron Judge a boatload of money to pry him from the Bronx, A, because he's a heck of a player, but two, to, you know, kind of kick the Yankees in the groin, I mean, technically they could afford it, as crazy as that sounds, when they have to re-sign Jacob deGrom probably. To, he can opt out, and they'll probably have to re-sign him. And then Pete Alonso obviously is going to make a boatload of money in a few years. So I don't I don't look. Steve Cohen can have a four hundred million dollar payroll. I don't think he wants to do that though with the luxury taxes he'd have to pay. But uh, man, here's the thing though: if you're Artie Moreno, right, you cannot lose Shohei Otani to free agency. Like Angel fans would revolt. Like Mike Trout was one thing, and they're able to keep him with a massive contract, and I think they're going to regret that contract. Because with his body structure, what is he? Built like a linebacker, right? I think with that body structure, I don't think Mike Mike Trout will start to get injured more and more. I really believe that. And in the end, that's going to be a bad contract. Now, they had no choice. You have to give Mike Trout that kind of money as the best player in baseball. But in the end, those last couple of years or last three or four years of that deal may not work out well for Artie Moreno. But Art, you're in L.A. I mean, what would the reaction be if Artie Moreno... Let Shohei Otani leave. Look, oh, if man. he throws $45 million at him and Otani says, I want to win and goes elsewhere, nothing the Angels can do, right? They offered him a ton of money. Yeah, it would be a big letdown. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that would be, well, be crazy. But what the Angels have to do is, and we've said it already, they need to get some pitching. They don't spend money on pitching. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a crazy thing. They, they got Otani and that's it. So what I don't understand. Like, why exactly are they not spending money on pitching? You know, people thought they'd spend money on pitching, what, last year? And they signed Anthony Rendon. Last thing he does is pitch. I don't understand. It makes no sense how that team spends its money. It makes absolutely no sense how that team spends money. And I think if you are a fan of that team, you're sitting there going, what's the rhyme or reason? Like, you got to bring in some pitchers, right? We can hit the ball, but it doesn't. Not that they're hitting the ball well now. I mean, I think that through their first four or five games, uh, you know, in the last four or five games, they're batting under 100 as a team, something crazy like that. It's actual insanity how bad they've been. And now they need a new manager, right? They don't have a manager. They fired Joe Madden. 
Phil Nevin is the uh, interim manager, but he gets booted out of a game and gets a massive suspension for that brawl they had a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that organization is an absolute mess. You have the two best players in baseball on your team, and you can't win a lick. And Syndergaard is 5-7 and seven with a three eight four ERA. Yeah, but you know what, though? I mean, they bought, you know, that's a one-year deal. And I don't blame them for that deal. I don't think he's been that good. And obviously the record's not very good. Um, but I think that made sense, right? You sign a guy for a year. You don't pay him a crazy ton of money compared to what the market is today. For a guy that has the potential, he showed it in the past when healthy. So I, I, I didn't think that's a bad sign. Actually, you know, a lot of teams, I think, wanted Noah Syndergaard. But it's like when they bring in the Matt Harveys of the world, guys like that, you know? I don't mean the criminal aspect of Harvey. When they just brought in Matt Harvey, they thought, all right, this guy can turn things around. Never did, of course. You know, they always seem to be shopping in that uh, bargain aisle, hoping to get that guy, rather than bringing in a guy, spending a ton of money. Now, to be fair, they did offer Garrett Cole a lot of money. And they did think that being in Southern Cal would help, considering he's a Southern Cal kid. And they thought that they would be the landing spot for him the way that years ago remember they made a run at cc sabathia right another kid who's from california more in the northern part but they thought that they could line up cc sabathia and sell him on coming back to california it didn't work out so they have made offers long term for big name ace pitchers and they just haven't had their money taken and i wonder if part of that is because they are the b team in los angeles right it's the dodgers first and foremost regardless of if the angels have success the Dodgers will be the back page. It's like the Mets and Yankees. And that's why if you're a Shohei Otani, when you are the man, you're probably the best player in baseball, do you want to go play for the B team in a city? The Mets want to throw a ton of money at you. That's great. Do you want to go play for the B team in New York? Maybe. They still get plenty of publicity. And it's not like, you know, the Mets aren't hurting for that, and they have an owner that loves the team and spends money on the team. So, you know, there's a commitment to win. From the previous ownership group, which didn't because they had no money after uh, the the Bernie Madoff scandal. So you kind of wonder. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Judge. And then, of course, like quarterbacks in football, the next guy up is going to make more. And then I think in baseball, Otani's going to look at what Judge makes. And that's going to be the, the, you know, the, the, the floor in terms of what kind of money he will The measuring for. stick. The measuring stick, right. Exactly. Whatever Judge gets... Pop a couple more million per year on there, and maybe you get Shohei Otani. But as I said to uh, Meredith Morakovitz of the S Network a little bit ago, at some point, if Otani is not going to be the two-way sensation that he is right now, and he's not going to give you 150 innings pitched as a you know every six man you know six day rotation guy, you could still use him as a closer. Think about that, right? I mean, Shohei Otani is going to be playing some DH, playing some outfield, whatever it may be. He's a great athlete, by the way. Maybe just stick him at, like, first base after a while if he gets old. And what you end up doing is you end up having him, you know, come in in the ninth inning from the outfielder to the DH spot, and he's your closer throwing 100 miles an hour. So you limit his innings to, like, 70, 60, whatever it is a closer will throw in a year, and he still maintains the value that you're going to pay him. Pretty ridiculous and insane if you think about the possibilities that he offers you. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo, next man up. Baker Mayfield gets traded. What's going to happen with Jimmy G as the 49ers have to be looking to shop him? What can they get and where could he possibly go? Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen on this Thursday right here on the Rich Eisen Show.